Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access Access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers so you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. My name is Michael Lejeune, and I will be your host today on Game Changers. I'm going to get right into this episode by welcoming back a former guest on the show. Her name is Kathleen Smith. Kathleen is the CMO of ClearJobs.net. And while she's been on the show before, uh, many of you may not have heard that episode. Uh, so first off, you should go listen to that episode. But I want to give Kathleen a minute to take a, uh, or give Kathleen a minute to tell us a little bit about herself and what ClearJobs.net does. Michael, thank you. It's so great to be back here on the show. Yes, I am the CMO of ClearJobs.net, but ClearJobs.net actually started a second division called CyberSec Jobs this past June 2016, mainly because we were asked by so many of our customers who really uh, found success with our services as a job board, job fair company. They asked us if we were going to break into cybersecurity. And when the state of Maryland and the state of Texas started running some of their career fairs that were cyber job fairs, they asked us to contract to do that. And with that, we have built some experience with how you handle recruiting within the cybersecurity community. So today I'm speaking as the CMO of CyberSec Jobs. Awesome. And, you know, we're going to be talking about a really interesting topic here today, you know, this, the cybersecurity talent shortage. And before I get into some of my questions, you know, specifically about this, I was, I was thinking about this topic. And one of the things that popped into my mind that I was curious about is when there's big things in the media around hacking and different things. And so I'm, I'm not going to get political today, but, you know, there was, you know, we just ended the, the 2016 election. Um, massive scandals around hacking and different things that went on uh, around, you know, the, the DNC email servers and different stuff like that. I, I'm going to use that as an example here because I'm curious if you see a spike in job openings around these major media blasts like this where clearly there was some major leak and there were some issues. D does the market see 
job openings around this? I mean, do they start to recruit more when you start to notice there's big things like this happen in the media? I, I'm, I was just kind of curious about that. So when some of the original big uh, breaches happened, say the Sony breach, uh, the original OPM breach, um, and, you know, even going back a little bit farther, we did see a spike. Now it's pretty much leveled off. What you do see is we originally saw a lot of spike in job openings, specifically in technology, cybersecurity, security, information assurance, information security. But now what we're seeing are an uptick in the number of positions that require people to have not only the technical experience, but also the regulatory experience. Because we're looking at more, shall I say, niche job openings that are for people who not only understand technical security issues, but they also understand HIPAA, or they understand FISMA, or they understand any of the other regulatory issues. And then when you take it up a little bit farther to that, it's also looking at people who not only have the security wherewithal, but they also have the business acumen. And that's a real challenge is that many of the folks that are very strong from an IT standpoint or from a security standpoint, they may not necessarily understand what the risks are from a business or a branding or a policy standpoint. And that is one of the career paths that companies really need to look at as saying, if we want to have people who are better able to advise the chairman or advise the board as far as what we should do if we have one of these breaches or to mitigate the risk, we need to start teaching our security and our technical staff, these are the other components that you need to be really concerned about. And that's one of our biggest deficits is we're definitely needing more people who have the technical skills, but there's no way right now where we're teaching people to think holistically as to how the technology impacts not only the business, but impacts the communities that they are involved in. And I I think that's really fascinating what you shared there, because, you know, back in the day when we would think about technology, it's like, especially like security guys. I mean, I'm just kind of going back in my mind who my security guys were. And these are guys that would you typically, you know, lock up in a closet. They had they mm-hmm. had they had no social skills, no people skills. They typically didn't really understand how the business functioned, but they knew exactly how a Cisco router worked, you know, right. and and they could do the ins and outs of that. And I think there's just there's been such an evolution of talent. And, you know, you just started layering in different skills that, you know, you, you start with the technology skills and then you add in the business skills and the, the holistic approach and you know, the other different things that get layered on that. And I, and I guess that is a huge factor. You're going to tell us what it is, but huge factor in, in what we're hearing about this, the cybersecurity, you know, talent shortage. So why don't, why don't we jump in on that? And, uh, you know, and you can tell us what is a cybersecurity talent shortage right now and why is it such a big deal? Well, so you're talking to someone who's really more of a marketing um, expert, and I always look at things from a marketing standpoint. And being in government contracting for over 15 years, I noticed several years ago that we were starting to use the buzzword of cybersecurity. 
And I, anytime I broke down any of the job descriptions, I would look at them and they would, I would say, wait a minute, this sounds to me more like information assurance or information security or, you know, one other of the technical skills. But then we're adding into it some of the other more inquisitive skills uh, that people are looking for more into the forensics. So I'm, I constantly take umbrage with people who say that we have a cybersecurity talent shortage because there are the people out there. We have been training for these people. They just haven't been, one, coached well, nor have they been treated well. You just said most of the people who have been in tech or in security have been locked up in the basement somewhere. And when you look at people who are looking for jobs, who are very frustrated with how they're being treated. These are people who have, you know, 25, 30 years experience, but they just haven't been given the opportunity to find the right job. And I know a lot of people go, oh, you know, that's not true. I've been speaking at hacking conferences for the last two years, and I can tell you that there are thousands of people out there who just don't know how to find a job, how to be able to network with a recruiter, how to go through the application process, nor are the recruiters educated enough on understanding the difference between, you know, who is someone who has a CISSP versus someone who doesn't. If you're in the government contracting world, understanding what all of the DOD 8570 certifications are and where you get them. To me, it is really an education process of the people who are looking for these jobs and the recruiters who are looking for them. Because when I talk to recruiters now, they're like, I need a cybersecurity you know, expert. I'm like, okay, what does that mean to you? And that, well, they just know cybersecurity. I'm like, no, you know, what are the components? Is this offensive? Is this defensive? Are they needing specific, you know, programming skills? Are they needing specific you know, forensic skills, do you really understand the components of that? And that's that's one of my biggest challenges is that recruiters in general aren't given the support to be able to understand the jobs that they're filling and to be able to get the ongoing training to say, okay, these are the new changing technologies that I need and I need to better understand them so I can go out and have a, an intelligent conversation with my candidates. You know, one of the big jokes within the recruiting community is they'll be told, go find someone that has five years experience in a technology that's only two years old. So having better education about what are these jobs, what are they, what are they going to do, and how, what are the skill sets that people are going to need to fulfill them? Because we're all putting cybersecurity, we're using that sort of a, in a lumped um, you know, a lump together category rather than taking it apart and saying, you know, I need someone who has offensive skills or defensive skills, or I need someone who has 10 years of CISSP. You know, I <laughs> I get very frustrated on this topic. Yes, we are moving into an environment where more of our technology is at risk and more of it is vulnerable. I mean, everything from our toaster to our car to the planes we fly. But understanding that each one of those take a different skill set and educating not only the recruiters who are doing that, but the candidates that you are recruiting to understand, one, 
these are the kinds of skills we need and two, these are the kind of skills we're going to give you when you come to our company and this is the kind of support we're going to give you and our company in tackling these problems. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a big deal. I, I love, you know, being able to identify what you really need, make that clear to the recruiters, but also make it clear to the applicants because, you know, what if you find the person that has two or three of the five things you need and the potential to develop the other two, I'd rather hire that person over somebody who has one of those traits, mm-hmm. or maybe they have a, a harder one, you know, like it, if, uh, you know, if, if acquiring a certification is easy to do, but acquiring the knowledge and, you know, the other, the holistic approach thinking uh, is much harder, you know, it's like, you've got to be able to put that in perspective and hire somebody, but be willing to mold them into what you need in order to get what you want. And, and, that's just a big thing. You know, in, in our nonprofits that we run, we always tell people, I'm not hiring on talent. I'm, I'm hiring on heart, right? You know, I want somebody who's mm-hmm. super passionate about this because I can teach them how to, you know, sort things or, or stack boxes or whatever I need. I can't teach them the heart for the mission that we have. And so, you know, you, you've got to look at the organization you have and the needs and be able to figure out what can you teach and what do you have to hire? And so it's really about, you know, making these recruiters smarter, but you know, it's, it's the people higher than the recruiters usually who are making some of those decisions and, you know, being Mm -hmm. able to empower them properly. So, so what are some of the ways? Well, hiring for heart is, you know, definitely a good thing to look at in cybersecurity as well. I've talked to many CTOs who have said, I just need someone who is inquisitive, likes to be independent, but also be part of a team who has the initiative. If they've got that inquisitive mind and that initiative, I can teach them everything else but they have to have that own drive within themselves to be able right. to do it and right. so yeah sorry i interrupted you no 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 that i think that's perfect and you know that that's one of those things where like people just don't understand how important that is you know it's it's thrown around you know almost as kind of an afterthought or hey you know that that is hey, that's kind of funny you know let's hire for heart mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When in actuality, it's such a big deal. Uh, I, it, mm-hmm. it just it's such a big deal. So, so that that's that's awesome. Um, you know, what are some of the ways that the the small, maybe even mid sized companies can really compete and hire properly here in this you know cybersecurity talent space? Well, it's actually a very you know similar answer to the one that we talked about in our earlier episode, but it is also backed by most recent study that was out this summer on hacking the skills shortage because how the employers treat their employees makes a big difference and when they did the global study on hacking the skills shortage employer dynamics was very important and this is um, something that really hasn't been talked about a lot in the recruiting community but how the employers treat the employees in particular understanding that to stay competitive a lot of employees really need to maintain their certifications most of the certification courses are very expensive and it takes time off and travel to be able to get those certifications. Many companies still make their employees 
pay for those certifications, pay for the travel, and have them take vacation time to do it. So being clear within your company that you are very supportive of them maintaining their competitions, excuse me, maintaining their certifications, maintaining all of those skill sets, that is really big because it's it's a big bite of an employee's pocket, but it is also a really great way to retain your talent, but also do the referral networks. The other is understanding the community. The community itself does a lot of competitions. And this is one thing that I find very interesting that a lot of companies are looking for people who have experience. And they'll say, well, I see someone who's got a lot of certifications, but they may have only been in the community for two or three years. Interestingly enough, there are capture the flag competitions, hackathons, all kinds of different competitions that are out there, and they've been around for decades. There's never been a place until we put one place in where candidates can say, these are the competitions that I've been part of. I've been part of the Capture the Flag at B-Sides DC, or I competed in the Capture the Flag at DEF CON. Being able to understand what each one of these competitions are, the skill sets that's used to be able to compete in that, and giving your candidates an opportunity to share that in their application or share that on their resume is a really great way to see the true experience that your candidate has. We actually added it as a field in our profile on CyberSec jobs because this is a growing area where candidates can really show their experience. They may only have two or three years experience in a particular skill set, but if for the last 10 years they've been competing in every wireless capture the flag that has been happening on the East Coast, you actually have someone who is very desirable for this skill set. And also understanding that while many of these candidates really are, you know, people say, oh, you can only find them online. All you have to do is go to meetups or any of the, you know, conferences that are out there. These people are very sociable. They really do want to get out. They really do want to meet people face to face. They're very family oriented. I think what's sad is that we think that a hacker or a cybersecurity professional is someone who is wears a hoodie and drinks Red Bull and eats pizza and doesn't come out of their basement. When you know there can be nothing farther from the truth. They can be people who are very family oriented. They love getting together. They they knit. They quilt. They you know they're definitely part of the community. But unfortunately, we've you know media and entertainment has sort of said, oh you know everyone just walks around with a black hoodie on and has a lot of tats and is not a sociable individual, which can be farther from the truth. Yeah. No. I I think that is. Uh... You know, when when you think back, that's what you think. And I, I, I do think that some of the TV shows are actually catching on to this because some of the TV shows we're starting to see now, there's there's a little bit of an evolution. Like if you're an old 24 fan, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. was kind of how some of those people appeared initially. But then, you know, you'd see them in, you know, suits and ties or, you know, not, you know, business casual in there hacking away or doing their thing. Uh, you know, Quantico is another uh, pretty popular show right now. And 
all of those folks are FBI agents who have hacking skills and things. And they just they don't look like, you know, the typical, you know, like you said, you know, they're full of tattoos and living in the basement and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, drinking Red Bull all day or anything like that or or whatever. That's just there. there's been an evolution there. And I think, you know, that's probably what's caused some people to shy away from some of that talent is the fear of what they'd have to deal with. Um, when again, they're just people, right. You know, and, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. they they really are just people. And so I think that's a big deal for people to understand is you are hiring talent and you know, there, there's the big thing with, Hey, they're millennials. So, you know, you got to let them, you know, work at home in their pajamas and, you know, feed them ice cream mm-hmm. all day or, or something. I don't know. Um, not necessarily the truth, but, uh, you know, there, if people can get over some of the hurdles, I think it makes it much easier to hire these people and just understanding, you know, Again, going back to the the first point you made around the development that you want to do with these people to make them way more valuable down the road and, mm-hmm. and to give them a bigger picture of, of the business, if you will, the business functions. And that to me is one of the things that I look at when I when I used to look at companies is, you know, what is that path to progression? And let's say I am just, you know, the 25 year old, you know, still at home. And, and I I do drink Red Bull in the basement all day long, you know, there's a chance for me to actually learn some business skills, some people skills, some other things to broaden my horizon and be, you know, instead of a $90,000 job, 120, 150, a $200,000 job, you know, that, that, that gives them a lot of incentive to come with you. So I think those are some really great points there. So, so well, the, the other thing, you know, which is interesting is that when you look at the Department of Labor statistics, and specifically in the IT community and the and the security community, the average tenure of an employee is between 11 and 13 months. The sad thing is, is when you interview those people as to why they're leaving, everyone will say, oh, it's because of the salary, when it actually isn't. It's because I didn't have anything left to do. No one thought of a career path for me. And, you know, part of the onus is on the employee, but it is also on the employer. So if it takes 18 months to 24 months to find that IT talent and they're going to leave in, you know, 11 or 13 months, it really would behoove a company to say, we've finally got this really great talent. What are we going to do to build them a career path within our company so we, one, don't lose them, and two, that we don't spend a a fair amount of our time finding their replacement? Some of the other things that were in the hacking the skills shortage uh, study as far as finding talent, obviously salary does you know matter, but also the IT or the technical reputation of your company. People always want to go work for the best of the best. And if you don't have you know the best of the best or you don't have a very innovative team, now that doesn't mean innovation as far as you're bringing out um, new products and services all the time. That really talks to how do you do problem solving? How do you do decision making? How do you really look at a problem? Because when you look at cybersecurity talent, they're really people who want to solve problems. They're people that really want to come together and sort of tackle a big problem. I'm always fascinated when you know, I go to any of the B-Sides conferences or DEF CON or something like that. There's always a lockpicking village. There's always a cryptology challenge. They're always doing puzzles. This is all about how do you, as an individual and a team, tackle a problem and solve, you know, solve the issue. That's why, you know, you were looking at um, T 
TV shows, you know, MacGyver was one of the first hackers because he was always looking at a problem in a situation and what are the tools, what are the things that are available to me at this point so I can solve the problem and save the day. Yeah, no, I... And, and MacGyver's back now, right? Yep. <laughs> you, know, you know, and and he's even more in that space. And he has people on his team that are very much in this space. So it's it's a very interesting uh, looking at the evolution of all this stuff. So all that being said, what does the future look like for, you know, cybersecurity talent recruiting at this point? One of the things that's very interesting that has been coming out has been automation. So we are now looking at intrusion detection um, on an enterprise level being automated, you know, as far as keeping tracks of that, being able to uh, keep an eye on our system. So a new skill set that people are going to have to look at is how do you have the hybrid between someone who knows how to problem solve but also knows how to take all of the information that comes from automating your systems. It also looks at where we're looking at cyber policy because obviously cybersecurity is more of a global issue. So there are several of the, um, not capture the flag, I apologize, I, I just had a, a brain blip. Uh, there are There's a competition, uh, a national and international competition on not technical issues with cybersecurity, but actually policy issues. How do we break the, you know, the barriers between countries as far as how we deal with cybersecurity and how do we grow talent that can go into the boardroom or into Congress or, you know, into any um, State Department level and be able to advise someone on what are the, the policy issues. We also have cybersecurity has permeated everything from you know, the automotive in industry to healthcare to our utilities. How are we making sure that people have not only the technical talent, but they understand the regulatory issues, they understand the business risk, and how can someone be a, a more holistic advisor within the cybersecurity and realizing that you know, most of us went to college or have learned our skills. We now have to have a workforce that learns how to constantly be keeping up to date on the technology. The other challenge with, you know, cybersecurity recruiting in the future is how do we bring the recruiters up to speed? Because we, there is so much as far as the government funding education institutions are really trying to reshape our workforce for the future, but there's nothing on a wide scale basis on how do we change recruiting to be able to be more engaging with this talent rather than just trying to put butts in seats. So really taking the recruiters and saying, you need to be more engaging with the community, going to the conferences, going to the hackathons. I mean, you know, we talk about why aren't we having more people, more women in cybersecurity or more minorities in cybersecurity. And you and I were talking earlier about the hoodies and such. What woman wants to go work with a bunch of people who are sitting there with black hoodies? It's just, you know, we really need to demystify cybersecurity as a very innovative space rather than having it be this dark clouded area where bad things happen. It's problem solving. It's being inquisitive. It is not all about people trying to do bad things. 
Yeah, no, I think that's that's very important. And, you know, people just really have to understand what's going on in this space. And, you know, I'm going to go back to this for a moment here. Really understanding this holistic approach, this business operations overview that a position like this may take to understand not just the technology you need to deal with, but how that functions in the organization. You know, and you used a couple of words earlier, you know, whether it's offense or defense or both or whatever it may be. I think those are really important for people to kind of demystify that and understand it. Uh, and, and it really, it's, it's going to help the industry a lot. So I, I see us going that direction as, as kind of an, a country or whatever you want to call it, because uh, we do seem to be evolving. But I hope it really does continue down that path. So all really good stuff today. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners on this on this whole you know cybersecurity talent shortage? So the one um, area that I think so many companies are missing is we have one of the most trained military forces in in the world, and many of our veterans who are transitioning out have extensive cybersecurity skills. And there are not enough companies who are taking the time to ramp up their veteran recruiting programs to be able to bring some of this talent into their companies. But what's interesting is a lot of companies are saying, well, I only want to have someone who worked at Cyber Command. And actually, a lot of the skill sets that our transitioning veterans have as far as teamwork, leadership, innovation, and being able to solve a problem within a very short time frame with very few resources, that is that inherent skill. That is something that is, you know, down to the bone top-notch talent that people need to be looking at our veterans when they're transitioning out to come in and work in a cybersecurity firm. I can tell you I did a a 13-week blog series on veterans transitioning into the cybersecurity workforce, and someone who was actually a hospital corpsman went on to lead the cybersecurity practice for one of the the large government contractors. And it wasn't his skill set when he was in the military, but he, you know, played around with computers on his own and built his own computer system and did a lot of the competitions on the side. So I'd really say when you're looking for cybersecurity talent, be sure you are going back to the military bases and cultivating those transitioning veterans. Yeah, that, that's such a big deal. And, you know, it's, it's not only a great deal for you, it's such a great deal for them to be taking care of our veterans. I'm a veteran. My partner's a veteran. He's actually a disabled veteran. And I just I can't say enough about going back to these folks. Uh, you know, the work ethic alone it is incredible. So really, I love that you said that. Uh, go go hire a veteran, right? Maybe nothing else needs to be said. So so thank you again for all the wisdom on this episode as well as the last one. If you haven't checked out the last one, uh, go online. You can grab the last episode as well. Um, I just thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Michael. Thank you. Well, and I I also want to take a minute to thank our listeners for joining us today on this episode. Remember, you can find every episode on iTunes. Just look for Game Changers for Government Contractors. Subscribe to the feed to make sure you get every episode. You don't want to miss any of these. Uh, You can also learn more about each of our guests by visiting the official Game Changers website at rsmfederal.com forward slash game changers where we're going to have you know links to their websites you know social media contact information all that kind of good stuff um and then last but not least please visit the sponsor
sponsor for today, the Federal Access Program at rsmfederal.com forward slash FA for more information on how you can win more government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.